Great Christmas, everyone. Uh, now, do we have any 84-year-olds in the building here this morning? Any 84-year-olds? Jim Clark, 84 years old today. So, happy birthday, Jim. Good on you. What's that? Oh, 40. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, gee, that's embarrassing. Um, no, it's good. You're one of a kind. Uh, Marks us, Jim, and uh, that's great to have you continuing on powering strong with us. Now, one other, one thing that wasn't mentioned in announcements before, I don't think, was did anyone mention what's going on tonight? No. So tonight at evening church, um, there's a movie screening um, called The End of the Spear, um, and it's a movie about um, some missionaries who went into Ecuador and the struggles that they went through. Um, it's rated M, so it's not one to bring the primary school kids along to, but you'd be welcome to come along, uh, drop in, there'll be popcorn passed around and that sort of thing. Uh, it'll be a terrific time together. So if you haven't been along to evening church over to Rimba Uni, tonight's the night to drop in. Righto. Now, I, wanna, um, I want you to grab your outlines and open up Good question. It's five o'clock tonight. Yeah. So thank you very much, Dave. I look forward to seeing you there. <laughs> so uh, open up your, um, the outline there. Um, and I want to read you something from a book. Um, can we have a look at the book here? It's William Barclay, A Plain Man's Book of Prayers. Right? And it came out about uh, 50 years ago. 50 years ago. You can actually still buy it online. It'll cost you $253, I noticed, on Amazon, but it is there. Um, let me read you a quote, and part of the quote is there in your outline, but I've got a little bit more. So, there is still another law of prayer which we must remember. Prayer moves within the natural laws which govern life. When we think of it, this is a necessity the characteristic of this world is that it is a dependable world. If the laws that govern it were erratically suspended, it would cease to become an order. It would become a chaos. And there the quote picks up. Suppose a man was to accidentally fall from the 40th floor window of a New York skyscraper. Suppose him to be a good and devout man and a firm believer in prayer. Suppose him as he passes the 20th floor in his descent to pray, Oh God, stop me falling. That is a prayer which cannot be answered. Now what I want you to do is just with the person, oh, settle down there, um, with the person next to you, why don't you just have a talk about that quote? Right? What do you think of that quote? Now we know what Dave thinks of that quote, but <laughs> we don't always agree with Dave, do we? So have a word to the person next to you. What do you think about uh, that quote from William Barclay's book? So I want to hear some chatting amongst you.
Okay. I'm, now I'm going to... Sorry for interrupting those conversations. Feel free to keep that conversation going um, further on uh, after church. Um, and I'll come back to that quote a little later on. So we only know what one person thinks, so it would be interesting to hear what others think. No, 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 yeah, good. All right, so over the next few weeks, we'll be thinking about prayer, and I'm not going to be speaking to you out of a sense of superiority on this subject. Um, I long for my own prayer life to be more regular and faithful, more earnest, and my guess is that that goes for almost all of us here. And so in my talks, uh, so we're going to do four talks in this series, And it would be very easy to make us feel guilty, I think, about our prayer lives. But that's not my purpose. My goal is to encourage you in prayer. Um, My goal is to help you grasp the wonderful privilege that prayer is so that rather than feeling like, oh, it's just a duty that I've got to, yeah, it's another thing I've got to do, you actually say, no, this is such a wonderful privilege. Why would I not do it? Uh, So my goal is that as a church family, we will be more committed to God in prayer uh, as we approach another year. Let's make 2009 a year of prayer amongst God's people. How about I pray about that now? God, our Father, uh, it is such a privilege to call you our Father and to bring our request before you. We pray that you will just call to our minds what a privilege it is this morning. Uh, remind us And we pray that we will be encouraged, Uh, we will be inspired to persist in prayer throughout 2009 and for the rest of our lives. We pray that our lives individually and as a church will be lived out in dependence on you in every way. Amen. Now one of the phrases that runs through the whole of the Bible is that nothing is impossible with God. Right, just keeps on coming up again, amen, comes up again and again. So when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, you remember that agonising prayer just hours before he was arrested uh, or even just minutes before he was arrested. He prayed, um, and all these are in your outline if you want to sort of follow along. Abba Father, everything is possible with you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will be done. See, the starting point of Jesus' prayer, it's like the foundation is, God, everything is possible with you. And that's the starting point of his prayer. Um, that's what he taught his disciples as well. So you remember the disciples, when they meet, uh, Jesus came in contact with the rich man and um, Jesus said, it's harder for a rich man to pass through the eye of a needle than for, no, no, easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples said, hey, well, who then can be saved? It sounds impossible. And Jesus said, yes, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. And that theme keeps running through the whole Bible. So Sarah, right, she was an old woman. How old was she? 84, was she? 84 years old. <laughs> so that's quite funny. Um, not pregnant, Jim. <laughs> Now, that would be another miracle, wouldn't it? Um, But when Sarah was old, uh, at least as old as Jim, uh, she was infertile and she laughed when the angel came and said that she would have a baby. 
Um, but the angel said, is anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer is, no way. I'll return to you at the same time next year and Sarah will have a son. Mary received the same assurance from the angel. Remember, she, wasn't, uh, she, she was still a virgin. But the angel told her she was pregnant with Jesus for nothing is impossible with God, the angel told her. Jeremiah is a classic uh, situation. He was a prophet. He was there in Jerusalem as the Babylonian armies were streaming in and, and were about to sack the city. Right? Now, it is not a time for buying and selling real estate. It's a good time for selling real estate if anyone's willing to buy. But God said to Jeremiah, buy a field. And Jeremiah's like, you want me to what? Um, and God said, no, I want you to buy a field. And so Jeremiah goes ahead with it. Look at his prayer there. He says, ah, sovereign Lord, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. So he knows nothing's too hard for God, but he's thinking, why would I buy a field when the Babylonians are just going to about to destroy the whole city? And God's reasoning was, is because yes, the Babylonians will destroy the city, but the Israelites will return. So bias, it's, it's, it's almost like Buying the property was a, a, a statement of faith in God's promise to return the Israelites uh, 70 years later. Job learnt the lesson in Job 42 verse 2. I know that you can do all things, he said. No plan of yours, God, can be thwarted. And in that prayer that um, Margaret just read out from Ephesians 3, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. God can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Right? We so often put God in a box and we, we don't actually grasp hold of this fact that he, nothing is impossible with God. And throughout the Bible we see people who have grasped this truth and they pray these extraordinary prayers like Joshua in the middle of battle he prays that the sun will stop and it stops still in the middle of the sky. Like, I don't know how it happened, but God did it. Or Elijah prayed that a child would come back to life from the dead. And it happened. Or he prayed for fire to come down from heaven. And it came down. And again and again throughout the Bible you see the extraordinary power of God answering the prayers of his people. And that is the starting point of prayer. It is a conviction that God is in control and nothing is impossible with God. He created all things simply by speaking a word and every moment he sustains this world we live in, this universe, he holds it together by his power. Nothing takes place apart from his will and his purposes. So come back to William Barclay and his book. Um, I haven't read the whole book, I must admit. Um, but so he says that there is another law of prayer which we must remember. Prayer moves within the natural laws which govern life. And then he goes on to talk about this guy who falls out of the skyscraper and he prays, right, he's passing the 20th floor and he prays, God stop me from falling. And Barclay says that is a prayer which cannot be answered. Now what, did you, what do you think? What do you reckon? What's that? False. Yep. False. Was <laughs> <laughs> that what you were going to say before? <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, that's very funny, isn't it? Sorry, it's just silly. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so Dave and I are just having this private joke as we can. Now, so, now God, of course God could answer that prayer if he wanted to. Um, I, I don't actually think that Barclay is reading the same Bible that I'm reading. If, if God, right, God can stop the sun in the middle of the sky, right, he can stop someone in the middle of, you know, on the 20th floor of a skyscraper as they're falling in midair right at that moment. He doesn't have to wait till they hit the ground. Um, see, God, nothing is impossible with God. And so, if I was a man falling from a 40th floor skyscraper, I would certainly be praying because that would be my only hope at that point. In fact, just 12 months ago, there was a a guy washing windows from a New York skyscraper and he fell 47 storeys. He hit the ground, but he survived the fall. His wife, can we have a look at the picture of the guy? There he is there. So, this is um, December last year he fell. This is the guy up and walking after falling from that skyscraper. Um, incredible, isn't it? His wife, in January, um, in January this year, came on TV and she thanked God. She said, thank God for the miracle that we had. Uh, and the head of surgery at the hospital said, if you were a believer in miracles, this would be one. Uh, but he did go down the whole way, didn't he? A few years ago, another man fell from a skyscraper. I don't know if he prayed, but halfway down, a gust of wind blew him onto a window ledge and he survived. Now, so, <laughs> so God can use... Doc- <laughs> Let's chase that one down, hey, before we... Can we just edit that out if it's not really true? Now, I hear it's true. God can use doctors, right? God can use a gust of wind. He can suspend gravity. Right? God can do whatever he wants. Amen. <laughs> I'm with you. So the big question of the Bible is not, is God able? Right? The Bible, the Bible writers are absolutely sold out that God is totally able to do whatever he wants. The big question is, is God willing? Uh, and this is a question that I don't think we grapple with as much as we should. See, that is the, the, the God we meet in the Bible is the holy God. And so whenever anyone has an encounter with God in the Bible, it is a petrifying experience. So even godly men like Isaiah or Ezekiel or John the Apostle, when they come face to face before God, what's their reaction? They are filled with dread and they hit the ground in horror. They are petrified because here are they, they might be godly men in our eyes, but they just realise this gulf between the holiness and perfection of God and themselves and they are scared to death almost. It is just such a gulf between the holy God and us sinful human beings. Remember Uzzah, Uzzah the, um, was he a priest? Um, as the Ark of the Covenant was processing along, and the, the ark started, what's that? And the ark started falling off the cart. He reached his hands out to steady the ark and he was struck down dead. Because this is a holy God coming in contact with sinful humanity. So if you read the whole Bible, you'll realise this is a real question. Is God willing to answer our prayers? 
And the Jewish temple, I think, helps you grasp the sense of it, right? So here is God deciding to dwell amongst his people and so he sets up a temple and you could come to pray to God at the temple. But as you came to pray, there was a wall around the temple and on the wall was a sign and the sign said, not welcome, right? Totally different from our church, you know, on the front of our newsletter. Welcome. And that's true, you are welcome here. Uh, It's lovely to have you. But on the temple it said, not welcome. And just in case you're from a different country, it was written in lots of different languages to make sure you got the message. Um, And you couldn't take an animal in there unless it was going to come to its death in slaughter and sacrifice. Um, You couldn't go in if you're a cripple or if you're a eunuch. Uh, If you're a Gentile, you could go in a certain way. If you're a woman, you could go in a certain way. But then there was another wall and only the Jewish men could go beyond that wall. And then, so the Jewish men enter in that next phase and then there's another wall and only the priests can go in beyond that wall. And then they go in and then standing before them is this whopping big thick curtain and no one was allowed in there. That represented the presence of God amongst his people. One guy, on one day of the year, the high priest, he was allowed to go in only on that one day, only after offering a whole stack of sacrifices for the sins of the people and for himself. You see what the temple was doing. At one level it was saying God is gracious. He is willing to dwell amongst his people and make it possible, but it is not easy for sinful humanity to come into contact with the holy God. And the temple brought that message home loud and clear. And this is why we have such a privilege living this side of the cross. Because on the day when Jesus died, so what we read in the Gospel accounts is that as Jesus breathes his last on the cross, there's a flash over to the temple and we see the curtain torn in two from top to bottom. And now access has been made between sinful humanity and the holy God through the death of Jesus in our place. So listen to um, that passage from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. See it on your outlines? Therefore, brothers, on the right-hand side, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. See what it's saying? Those temple days are long gone. Now through Jesus, we can go past that first wall and the second wall and the third wall. We can go through the curtain, which is Jesus' body, and we can enter God's presence 24 hours a day, 7 days a week there is nothing barring our access to God anymore if we trust in Jesus now we all grew up watching Wizard of Oz didn't we? Did anyone watch the other version last night? I didn't no, there was something Tin Man or something on telly last night, good to hear no one watched it Uh, because you can't beat the original can you? There it is the Tin Man, Scarecrow Dorothy the lion. Don't, can't see Toto. Where's Toto? It's a bit sad. Oh, here's there, is he? 
I know. <laughs> okay, he's there. All right. Um, and so, what was their quest? Right, we're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. <laughs> because, 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 because of the wonderful things he does, right? And and because the wizard of Oz, he can deliver anything. So you know, you've got a need. You know, you need a heart, or you need a brain, or you need courage or you need to go home, well, you go to the Wizard of Oz because he can deliver whatever you need. And so, that's where they go. They go on this pilgrimage to see the Wizard of Oz and they, you know, all these ordeals along the way and finally they arrive there, they enter the presence of the Wizard and he says, go away, come back tomorrow. And the whole thing turns out to be this incredible anticlimax. He's not willing to see them. Access is cut off. And they finally expose it all. He turns out to be a massive fraud. And he can't actually deliver on anything they ask for. Because of Jesus, God will not turn us away. We come into his throne room. We're granted complete access. And we can draw near with full assurance of faith. Our prayers come directly to him and we can ask for the things we need it is this wonderful privilege now our society is sort of uh, caught in this grip of a desire to access greatness so um, I imagine there's hundreds maybe thousands of Aussie boys today sending SMS's to their Australian cricket heroes you know come on Siddle you know you can bowl a few more wickets out Come on, Ponding, good on you for your century, you know, and then they send off their SMS. And it's sort of, it's like a touch with greatness. Now, does Ricky Ponting or, what's his name, Siddle? Peter Siddle. Um, so, do, do these guys actually read the SMSs? Maybe they do, but it's, it's not very much of a personal encounter, is it? Uh, and yet, we just keep doing it by the thousands, you know, sending our vote in for the Australian Idol. It's sort of like there's some sort of connection between me and this person, even though millions of people have voted. Do you know, you know what I'm saying? Or the Prime Minister, did you know you can email him directly? Um, does he actually read your emails? All your emails will be read, I understand, but will, will it actually get through to the Prime Minister? Maybe, if you're very lucky... He's <laughs> okay. <laughs> you read into whatever you want for the uh, connection there. But imagine being, imagine being his friend, right? Imagine being, you know, Kevin Rudd's friend, and just being able to get on the phone, call him up, and say, "G'day, Kevin. Look, there's some potholes in my street in Cranbrook Crescent. Can you do something about it for me?" And so he, you know, sorts it out with Wyon Council, and voila. So you'd be on the phone all the time, wouldn't you? <laughs> now, with the living God who made us and for whom all things are possible, we have complete access to him into his very presence. And he not only hears our requests, but he cares for each one of us personally, intimately, like a father and a child. There's a beautiful song that we're going to sing in a little while. Are we going to sing it? And can it be? I rang up Anne about 7.30 this morning and said, can we sing this song? So let me just um, run you through the final verse. Have a look at the words. 
Now, I love this final verse um, and it's going to be a great moment in a few minutes when we sing it together. But it says, No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head, and clothed in righteousness divine. And look at these words. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Now, it's talking about that final day of judgment when we come before God and humanly speaking, we ought to be absolutely petrified. But what it's saying is we can be bold, we can approach boldly. And you think, oh, that's, surely that's arrogance. Surely that's just presumptuous. But no, it's not. It's not because we're trusting the promises of God. And so it's because God has given us his promises through Jesus that we can approach boldly. And we don't have to wait till the day of judgment either. We can actually have that same confidence and that same access every day of our lives. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Through, this is why we called this series, right? Bold I Approach. That's what we call it. Because we can approach God boldly. Um, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. We call God our Father. See what it says? When the time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. See, what what it's saying is, if we trust in Jesus, we now have the same intimacy of relationship with God that Jesus enjoyed. So just as Jesus prayed, Abba, Father, so we pray, Abba, Father. That is, it's like saying, God, my Father and my Dad. Daddy, if that's how you call your talk to your father. We have this intimacy, this access to God that is just unbelievable. And so it makes, it makes you sort of think, why on earth would you pray to anyone else? You know, some people pray to Mary or um, saints, you know, people who are godly people who are now dead. And you think, why would I pray to someone else other than God? It, what is it? What is it about my thinking that would get me to pray that I would prefer a dead saint to God? See, is God less willing to answer my prayers than Mary or the saints? I think that's partly why people do it. But what the Bible's saying is, no, God is completely willing. He is gentle with you as a father deals with a son. So we can bring our request to him confident that he will hear and answer in his goodness. And that's what prayer is, right? It is asking God for something. Well, have we got that up there? I don't know if I put that up there. Yeah, there it is. Um, See, so our prayer should be accompanied by praise, thanks to God, but at the heart of prayer, the word prayer means asking God. So I'll take you to one final passage. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said... Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? 
or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. Don't think of God like that. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? He's a good, generous, loving God who loves to give good things to his children as we come and ask him. So let's ask. Let's call on him in prayer. Now, over the next few weeks, there's going to be a whole lot more to say, but what we will need to start with today is God is totally able to answer our prayers, but even more amazing, he is willing. He is willing. He wants to hear our prayers and he loves answering our prayers. I just want to finish with the story from um, 19, 1890, right? Back 120 years ago. In the United States, the professional baseballers went on strike. Um, they wanted more money to flow through to the players and not to the you know, baseball um, owners, you know, the owners of the baseball clubs. So the baseball clubs responded by getting amateurs to play in the major leagues. Um, and we, which was an extraordinary thing. So you had a guy who one day he was just an ordinary banker. The next day he was pitching for the New York Yankees. And you might have had a guy who was a Brickies labourer and the next day he's batting for you know, the Boston Red Sox or something like that. And, and all these guys who are just, you know, who love their baseball but were never good enough to play the major leagues, all of a sudden they're running around putting on you know, the colours and the uniforms of their favourite team and taking the field. They knew they didn't deserve to be there but they revelled in the experience. And it's interesting, um, the groundsmen and the, the umpires noticed a difference. Uh, they noticed that these guys were courteous, that they were just enthusiastic. It was like they were just... They just loved being on the field and playing the game. And I think it's because they knew they didn't deserve the privilege and so they revelled in the moment. Now, I reckon that ought to be our attitude to prayer, shouldn't it? There's there's no way we deserve it. We are like, you know, amateur, hopeless baseball players and we're taking the field, you know, in the biggest game in history. God is the awesome ruler of the universe. We are sinners totally undeserving and yet through Jesus' death we are given this access and this intimate relationship with God. He loves to hear our prayers, he loves to answer our prayers and it is all pure grace. See, prayer is not a duty. It's not one of those things I have to drag myself and say, oh, I've got to pray again, something I've got to do. Sometimes it can feel a little bit like that but we mustn't lose sight that prayer is this awesome privilege that is to be revelled in by the children of God. Now, in a little while, I'm going to invite anyone who would like to to come down to one of the microphones and lead us in a short prayer. It's good if we keep our prayers uh, kind of short. Um, God hears uh, them anyway. He sometimes prefers it that way. Um, And uh, you could pray either thanking God Um, or bringing a request to God. Uh, So you might look back on the year gone and have something to thank God for, or you just might reflect on the privilege that God has given us in prayer. You might want to um, come and thank God for that, or there might be something 
that you want to ask God for. So I'll give us all an opportunity to do that. But first, I just want you to take an opportunity on your own to do some reflection. Can we have a look at these couple of questions? A couple of questions just to wrestle through in your own mind and prayerfully just talk to God about. Do I believe that nothing is impossible with God? We've seen that that's the firm conviction of the Bible. And secondly, do I believe that God is willing to hear and answer my prayers? And if you believe both those things, ask that God will keep giving you an enthusiasm and a desire to keep calling on him in prayer. Why don't you just take a a minute or so of personal reflection? What I do is I'm going to hold onto this microphone. If someone would like to come and pray, I'll just um, hold it for you as you pray. Um, So come on down, take take a seat sort of so that, you know, there's a quick inter what do you call it, you know, moving from one to the other. But how about I uh, kick us off by leading us in prayer and then please come and uh, pray thanks or uh, ask God for something. God our Father, we want to thank you for the wonderful privilege that we have through Jesus, uh, for this access that we have to you that is mind-blowing when we think about it. We don't deserve and yet we pray that we will embrace it and take full advantage of it. Amen.